and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 192. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Voyager's second season episodes, Elosium, Non Sequitur, and Twisted. Here we go. Elosium, season two, episode four, production code 118, original air date, September 18th, 1995, directed by Winrick Colby, story by Jimmy Diggs and Steve J.K., teleplay by Kenneth Biller and J- Jerry Taylor, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Nancy Hauer as Samantha Wildman, Gary O'Brien as crew member, and Terry Carell as crew member. Voyager encounters a cloud of space-dwelling lifeforms, and Captain Janeway takes the ship in for a closer look. The ship is soon drawn in and engulfed by the swarm of creatures whose proximity disables the helm controls and shields. The crew endeavor to, to escape without harming the swarm, but when the creatures begin attaching themselves to the hull, they wreak havoc on the ship's systems, and including Kess, who is becoming dangerously ill. What comes next? Before we begin the mating process, I have to go through a certain ritual called the Relicicin. What does that involve? One of my parents has to massage my feet until my tongue begins to swell. Steve, you want to kick us off on Elosium? Yeah, so Elosium. I I remember this one pretty well. I remember uh, Kess eating the bugs. Remember uh, the all the goings on with the discussions on fraternization, the uh, creatures in space with their mating rituals, the stuff that happens with Kess, and it all kind of connects a little too conveniently in a way. Um, and it also felt it felt kind of slow to me. It felt like it kind of takes a long time to get through this one. Uh, at least that's the vibe I got from it. Um, I mean, it's not like all bad. I I, I always remembered the um, the Neelix. Uh, and uh, Tubok discussion and his, you know, commentary with your question is so broad. I don't know where, you know, all these kind of things. Um, it's fun, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of goes on and on and on. You got kind of like the little silly tongue in cheek stuff with Tubok and his sex appeal comment and the odd, uncomfortable Janeway talking about Chakotay being a master at mating rituals. And, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I think about it. It's kind of just, it drags a bit and, but uh, certainly memorable moments. Chakotay kind of saves that actually from getting too awkward by just yes. laughing. <laughs> right, right, right. Like yeah. if he just if he just kind of looked over and then at her and then kind of looked back and then yeah, maybe there was, that was a that was a take they didn't use the serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could have been like, uh, okay, Captain, um, I've got. Uh, something mm. to do <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah yeah i think i read i don't remember maybe it was memory alpha somewhere somebody quoted jimmy what's his name the writer guy that he sold this script based on giving him that line about tuvox line about lost his sex appeal <laughs> adam your first thoughts um i kind of did, did this episode make you hungry at all no. Did it you? Well, I did. I did kind of look at the dirt in front of my house a little differently when I was pulling out this morning. I'm feeling a little, you know, thinking of eating some beetles, some dirt, 
maybe some calamari. You know, you have those creatures are kind of, you know, kind of had the squid-like appearance. I think she, Kess did have a look. I think her look was, for Ocompens, I think that was a look of joy when she oh. realizes she's eating bugs. It's not like she stopped. <laughs> <laughs> First thoughts, I'm kind of feel the opposite of Steve did. I actually like this episode. I like the episodes where they kind of do something creative with life forms. It doesn't necessarily always work, but in this one episode, I thought it worked pretty well. I like the um, idea of these life forms living out in open space and the kind of swarm thing. Um, I also didn't have a problem with everything kind of lining up. So, you know, I mean, you know, the B story is obviously the life forms. And the A story, you know, is... Cass going through her ordeal and, you know, deciding if she wants to have a, um, you know, a child or not, because this might be the only time that she can have it. I think it was uh, probably the best moments of her character thus far in Voyager. Um, we got to learn about the Ocampa. We got to learn a lot about her. I think maybe where the problems are, and I think we've discussed this before, is like, you know, Neelix and Kess's relationship, it's kind of weird. They don't really – more like I feel like they're more like brother and sister. It's kind of weird. They don't really seem like a couple. They share – opposite quarters but i see what they're going with here you know the you know the choice of if to have a child or not and you know the implication are, in this episode is that they have never had sex right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i would assume yeah. yeah but i mean it's a good episode for both of them going through you know if you're gonna have a child or not um you know that kind of stuff kind of coincides with the um the b story these creatures and mating rituals that kind of thing i actually didn't have a problem with that i thought it was also paced pretty well it didn't drag for me and just Steve and I just had kind of opposite takes on it. I wouldn't call it the best episode, but I would call it um, the best of the three today, for sure. You shouldn't say that because it takes very little editing for me to have Adam Caesar say, I would call this the best episode of Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> the one where Cassie eats dirt. Yes. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm between you guys, but I'm probably more on Steve's side. Like This episode has a couple of scenes that I, I like. As uh, I think Steve mentioned, the scene between Tuvok and Neelix, those two together, I've always said are great, and here they are great. And and hearing Tuvok speak about fatherhood um, and gender, um, certainly this is the first time I've watched this episode since I became a father, and it's a great scene, and he performs it well, and those two characters together are great. I like, I actually like, I like the scene when Kess is kind of locked in the doctor's office and Janeway comes to her. That's, that, I like that. Yeah. I think the, the bit when Neelix forcibly takes her out of her quarters to go to sickbay because she's eating so much is funny. I'm not sure it's supposed to be funny. Huh. I think it is, but I thought it was funny. funny. Kind of works both ways. But overall, there are just too many moments in this episode where I, I actually think I, I wish I could kind of fast forward, which I don't ever remember thinking those those words, <laughs> you know, like like hearing, seeing Kess with the bugs and and hearing her talk about eating dirt. I did kind of feel like oh, ugh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, you know Jennifer Lean. I think I think she does a really great job in this. I mean, she really you know. Yeah, she sells it. If if it weren't for her performance, I think the whole episode would just fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think I still don't like Neelix. I mean, early Voyager Neelix, and so many so many times I don't dig him. He just the the jealousy thing and the 
getting so you know aggravated and up and his line i wrote down he has a line in, in this episode you're such an innocent that he yells to her i actually wrote in my notes ugh next to that one <laughs> yeah and, I, and that that doesn't help things you know um yeah again i don't think this is awful or something i know i basically was negative on a lot of the stuff it just it just feels like it kind of i don't know i, I it's it just kind of goes and goes and goes and there's some odd times but um anyway yeah if, if you know, I haven't watched this in a while. Maybe I'll feel differently. But my memory was that Kess leaving the show was the best thing for Neelix's character. Yeah, they didn't. Well, they never seemed to figure out what to do with him really until she split. Mm-hmm. We have those little one-offs, but as far as any sort of through line with his character, yeah, yeah, the relationship between the two of them just it doesn't work. What do you guys think about the relationship between Janeway and Chakotay? They have the discussion about the possibility of a generational ship. There's almost the implication about something between them. I'm not talking about the the moment we discussed earlier, but like the first time they talk about the possibility of a generational ship. Can you talk about that? It's probably a good idea when they're you know facing a 70-plus year voyage. So it's kind of nice that they think about these things. Um, they've kind of had these discussions a little bit in this season you know, about – Janeway a couple episodes was struggling with how she could, you know, what was it, the the last episode, you know, asking the crew to go on the 75-year mission when they're on an Earth-like planet already. So they've been having these conversations so far in the season. I, I like it because they, you know, why wouldn't you be overwhelmed by a 70-year-plus voyage when there's no certainty you're going to get back or not? I think it felt pretty organic to them coming together and having that discussion. I mean, it probably warrants someone along the line should have said, you know what, we should get senior officers together and have a a talk about this kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, and generally speaking, I like their back and forth. They kind of, they, they each have their own take on command and leadership and, and the, but, but a mutual respect. And so those kind of discussions are interesting, I suppose. Was I just reading into it? this implication of something something between the two of them i think there's that's always an undercurrent of that you know especially in the early half of the show you know there's there's a lot of that going on you know it's it's one of those things that's always impossible everyone we all know it's impossible at least as it stands but uh there, there's always something they have there is an attraction there there's some chemistry and it's i don't i don't know if necessarily there's an implication in the midst of that discussion um but you know that uh that kind of chemistry being there, certainly one could read that into it. Yeah. See, I it, this 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 it, this episode has this weird line between drama and humor. Like mm-hmm. I said, I'm I'm really not sure if that eating scene is supposed to be funny. Kess has the line about and the whole bit about someone massages my feet until my tongue gets big or something, mm-hmm. right? And then she goes to the doctor and they play that whole scene with her feet center of frame with him massaging. And I'm, I think it's supposed to be funny, but then the lines there. The conversation they're having is pretty serious. And the blocking, you know, he gets up and he moves around her and things. But there's just a weird, it's a little bit, the tone is the tone is uncertain. And it's mm-hmm. almost uneasy. And I don't know how to feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not saying that like, uh, you know, there can has to be uh, only one side, right? You know, if you're funny you can't, or serious or whatever, obviously the best stuff blends those feelings you know, in a way that, that feels right, but it's really hard to do. It's, and it's really hard to, to pin down what it is when, when that is not working, you know, when, when you can't quite tell what it's supposed to be going on and how you're supposed to feel. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like I can't, it, maybe the comedy's too broad given such, I don't mm. know. I don't know what it is, but it's, it doesn't feel tight at all. Yeah. 
What's this episode about? Well, a lot of it is about, um, you know, the choices that Kess is going through with her own body, of course. it's kind of, To me, it's kind of the obvious what they're trying to talk about is, you know, having children and, you know, when to have them, you know, being that kind of thing. They're kind of asking those questions. Um, other parts of the episode, you know, Janeway getting into, you know, not interfering with life forms, even though they're in their space, you know, and her and Bellana go back and forth about that, that Bellana thinks that she that should just attack them. And Janeway's like, no, we're in their space. They're acting normally. I don't know. just the natural course of biological life forms. That's kind of what I got from it. I did write down in my notes that Chakotay mansplains creatures mating. Yes. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably why Janeway, maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe she was being sarcastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. She just didn't quite cut, you know, the, the, the cutting edge wasn't in there enough for us to really grasp. See, there's that tone question again, right? Like, Chakotay is the master at mating ritual stuff. You know? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I yeah, I th- I think you know, I mentioned earlier how a lot of this stuff really connects in terms of the theme, but ironically I think it doesn't necessarily connect in terms of the um message or something. And I think that may be kind of the part of the problem. It's kind of like let's have like an A and a B and an almost a C story that all kind of touch on um mating and so on, but let's let the kind of the theme be all over the board because really when you're talking about the creatures in space, yeah, there's all this kind of discussion about the strategy of losing them or getting out of that situation. And so there's, there's those kind of discussions, but yeah, ultimately, like, like you said, Adam, the, the, um, the issue is the non-interference part. It's like, we don't want to, we don't want to mess things up here. We want to like play their game and when we get getting out of here, we want to hurt anybody, et cetera, et cetera. That seems to be the biggest point. But with Kess, you've got the, uh, you know, the, the implications of this choice and how complex it is and how big of a thing it is and so on and so forth. And then there's the fraternization among the crew. Let's throw that into the mix too and not really come to a conclusion on what we're doing with it or why are we discussing it necessarily or Etc. I think that I think that to me that's kind of the, the big problem here is you kind of have it'd be nice to have a little more focus in that regard. But um, obviously there are a number of themes running throughout this. All right, let's do six degrees for Elosium. Adam, you going first or second? Um, I guess I'll go first. Nancy Hauer, is that her name? Hauer nice. plays Ensign Samantha Wildman. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Uh, Nancy Howard plays Ensign Samantha Wildman. In how many episodes will she play this character, Adam? Three, five, or eight? Um, I'm going to say eight. You are correct. Steve, Samantha Wildman will have a daughter. Name the character. That's an easy one. Naomi. Yes, sir. Yeah, you know, we didn't mention it, but I, I did like the ending. I liked mm-hmm. concluding with Samantha Wildman coming in there and saying she was yeah, pregnant. Seemed apropos. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. All right, one to one, moving on. Non Sequitur, Season 2, Episode 5, Production Code 122, Original Air Date, September 25th, 1995. Directed by David Livingston, written by Brandon Braga, music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Louis Giambalo as Cosimo, Jennifer Gotti as Libby, Jack Shearer as Admiral Strickler, and Mark Killey as Lieutenant Laska. Harry Kim is aboard a shuttlecraft as it is shaking violently. As he contacts Voyager, Captain Janeway attempts to beam him out. 
and he finds himself awaking on Earth in San Francisco next to his girlfriend, Libby, whom he dearly missed. The date is the same as he remembered, but his life is completely different. Harry retains his memories of his time on Voyager, yet there is no evidence he was ever aboard. There's got to be something we can do. Where is this time stream of yours? Maybe I can use it to get back. Mm. A time stream weaves through the galaxy like a thread. I could show you how to find it. And you could try to recreate the conditions that existed before the accident and fly back into it. But there's no guarantee what will happen to you if you do. Non sequitur. This is an interesting episode. I think that we all... Uh, um, hey, look, I'm, I'm telling you guys what you did, and I don't even actually know. I didn't mean to say that. I meant that I... Uh, remember this. I remember this episode. I remember seeing like the trailers for it and the trailer for it and being excited. Just, just the prospect of going back and actually seeing Earth and San Francisco, like the modern time. Anytime that's done on Star Trek, it's a treat. But I also remember this episode for having a, a disappointing story. So it starts off so great, great and interesting and with so much promise. And on one hand, it's very unique in that it's a, you know, crazy time space continuum type story, weird stuff happening. It's unique in that it's all really happening. Because he really was transported there somehow, you know, but it's, it's disappointing in that the resolution of the story is incredibly unsatisfying. It's it's just it's just not interesting. All of a sudden, Steve, some of your thoughts here. Um, yeah, um, I think it, yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, and seeing this kind of what could have been kind of situations, those are generally fun. And so it's not it's not awful or anything. Um, you know, it. it um, but yeah, it, it kind of. I don't know. Ultimately, it's it's predictable in the sense you know this is kind of where it's going to go. I mean, he's going to find some way. He's going to go back. It's one of these weird ones where he's the only one that remembers all of this that went down. And um, I think it may, you know, as far as the unsatisfying, it, that may come about whenever you have one of these kind of inconsequential episodes where the whole thing you saw really doesn't make any difference whatsoever in the grand scheme. And that works if it has an impact on a main character in some facet, you know, really changes their uh, perspective or something like that. And if we'd have seen that with Harry in some respect, maybe that would have changed it. But I think that, I think that's what creates the unsatisfying part is that it's kind of just like, I mean, it might as well be a dream in that sense, you know, and, and that it just happened, but it doesn't happen and move on, you know? Well, for me, it's, it's that it's, it just kind of happens that he gets back. You know, the, the coffee guy says, oh yeah, something bad happened. Here's a little chip that explains everything you need to do. Great. There's no, there's no sense of actual mm. adventure or is he going to make it? Right. You know, there's no drama. There's no. Yeah. This episode got really bad for about after five minutes for me. <laughs> I, um, I would agree. The concept is, is cool, but they don't pull it off at all. First off, even, even going back to San Francisco, it was kind of flimsy. And so he lives on the fourth floor, but he's got an amazing 40th floor view out of his apartment. So they, they spent a lot of money on that view of San Francisco out of his apartment. Um, it has a day view. It has a night view, but he only lives on the f- fourth floor. Okay. So that bothered me. 
um, just a continuity thing. I kept wondering what those things in the middle of the street were that were covering the plant. I thought they were benches, and I'm like, are they solar panels? So a lot of even the set decor was just distracting to me. It just took me out of the story. Um, the story uh, isn't very interesting at all with him. You know, okay, how does he get back? Nobody believes him, and he's getting chased. And then for some reason, they have this alien watching over him, which is kind of weird. And then the alien tells him it's virtually impossible to get back to his own time. Not even they can do it. And they're masters of this technology. And um, yet they get on a shuttlecraft. Kim can't even remember the conditions of how he got there. And somehow he manages to get back to Voyager. So, yeah, this was a pretty lame episode in my my view. But still trying to Star Trek. But- a great teaser. I was very interested mm-hmm. and into it. Yeah, br- briefly. briefly for me as well. You know, there were a couple of things. Part of our show here is to, it's fair game, you know, to look at these things with modern eyes. And there were a couple of things that were different for me now that I definitely did not remember thinking before. One, the actress that plays Libby, Jennifer Gaddy, she is incredibly beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But you do kind of realize, God, she's like half naked in every scene, pretty much for no reason. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, she's yeah. just in a towel in this scene, you know. No, there's no <laughs> um, so I don't think that aspect of it is aged well. I don't think they would. I would hope they wouldn't do that now. But the other thing that's less negative and just a and Kim makes he has an odd option to stay. Now, of course, he's not going to choose to stay. That's that's not what the show is, but. Why was it so clear and immediate? He didn't really seem to have any... He didn't struggle with it at all, honestly. Yeah, he was immediate that he was going to leave there, especially after it's really explained. We really understand this is not some hologram, alternate reality. This is not fake or anything like that. This is just completely real. You didn't leave to go to Voyager. The other guy did. Here you are with... with this great fiance, great to play home, great job, dream, dream, dream. And he's so immediate to say that he has to split. Now, I certainly read analysis of people like, well, it's because he sees what a terrible position Tom Paris is in. You know, Tom Paris is a drunk in Marseille and he wants, because Paris is his friend and he wants him to have the better life too. But Kim's made this decision before he goes to Marseille, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. He goes there to get Tom Paris's help to, split, to, to leave. So that analysis is bad and f- flawed. So I never thought this before, but I think maybe his choice, I don't know. I would have, I, he should have had more of a struggle. You know, he owed, I think he owed that to Libby. Yeah. These were mm-hmm. not made up. These were all real people. It would have been, it would have been a much more interesting episode if that was what it focused on was that, that struggle. And, you know, if they come up with a compelling reason, it's like, you know what, I really need to get back to that reality or whatever, then, then you got something, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And his character could have really grown more if we'd seen him make a real sacrifice mm-hmm. for something. I did have I did enjoy his line though. Why does everybody tell you to calm down right before they do something bad when he came back into his apartment? Yeah, yeah. I did laugh at all laugh a little bit about that line. He delivered it good. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree with you, Brian, about that. I mean he'd already he'd made up his mind from basically the get go. Um 
even when he found out that he's like, I got to go back. Um, even after the alien told him it was so highly improbable that he would get back. Um, and, and and these little things that are continuity problems and weirdnesses are not things you'd notice if it was really good. Like Adam, you touched on a lot of them, but things like too is like they're still using angle bracelets. And uh, why when he went to Paris was it seemed to be the same time I mean, he went in the night, and then it's like still looks like it's night when he went to there. Yeah. It should be like ten hours ahead, you know, st- and just little things like that. And, and we've kind of established that those kind of things bother you. It's because you're not focusing on the. <laughs> High quality episode here or whatever, you know. Yeah. I like the little, the clarinet bit. A nice little callback to the pilot without them having to say anything about it. That was nice. I did not like the, yeah, the coffee guy alien watching over him. I thought that was, yeah, like you said, Adam, earlier, that was weak. It was pretty weak. And I didn't think the actor was very good, but it's not like he had anything good to work with. They needed somebody there to explain what happened. And the way he greets him when when Harry first comes out of his apartment building, the way the coffee guard greets him, you're like, "Oh, there's something going on with that guy." <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's this episode about? Um, you can't escape your fate, I guess. You know, you have to you have to be exactly. There's no fate, but what we make. <laughs> um, I don't know. Loyalty, maybe. You know, he's loyal. You know, I mean. He, I know he comes to that conclusion towards the end of the episode. He's like, when he's talking about Tom Paris and his friend who actually got stuck out in the Delta Quadrant on Voyager. I don't know. It's kind of what I had. What'd you have, Steve? Yeah, it's it's kind of tricky because it's not so great and it's not so focused, you know. I mean, I think you could talk. I mean, the 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 relationship between Kim and Paris is certainly something that feels real and you wish they would have done maybe done more with and that could have been one of the ways to um give him more a stronger motivation or something like that um but but yeah it's um and i'm kind of just you know it's kind of like what you said you kind of make up something but i'm not sure they did a great job of reinforcing it the notion of you know you can you can choose you know you can choose you have it you have a choice you're not just stuck in living in whatever life you want to do and it's um, and it's not, there's not a right or wrong maybe either, you know, I mean, there's positive and negative, any kind of string of choices and where that leads you. So, but I, I, I don't think they reinforce that particularly well. So, so that's flimsy. All right, let's do six degrees for non sequitur. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Jennifer Gaddy plays Libby, Harry's fiance, In Next Gen's sixth season, in the episode's Birthright, parts one and two, she played Bayel. Bayel had a Klingon mother. What species was her father? Romulan. Why am I asking such easy questions today? I don't know. <laughs> Adam? Yeah. <laughs> now the pressure is on. <laughs> Jack Shearer plays Admiral Strickler, the admiral that enjoys grilling Kim. He will later portray an Admiral Hayes in a movie and subsequent Voyager episodes. In what film does Admiral Hayes order Picard and the Enterprise to patrol the Romulan neutral zone? Um, would that be um, First Contact? You are correct. Two to two. Questions are too easy today. Moving on. <laughs> Twisted Season 2, Episode 6, Production Code 119, Original Air Date, October 2nd, 1995, Directed by Kim Friedman, Story by 
Arnold Rednick and Rich Hosek. Teleplay by Kenneth Biller. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Larry Hankin as Gaunt Gary, Judy Geeson as Sandrine, Tom Virtue as Walter Baxter, and Terry Carell as Crewman. Voyager encounters a strange energy field during a surprise party on the holodeck for Kessa's second birthday. Many members of the crew are at the party, including Janeway and the Doctor, who is acting as the bartender. Eventually, the ship becomes stuck in the field, causing the internal communication system on board Voyager to fail. Unable to communicate with Tuvok, who is acting captain during the party, the crew the crew end the party early and attempt to return their, to their posts. However, the ship's layout has mysteriously changed, and they are unable to find their way. So far, we have been unsuccessful in all our attempts to either explain or combat this phenomenon. And according to my calculations, the space we are currently occupying will implode in approximately three minutes, 17 seconds. You said there was another option. We do nothing. Twisted. Adam, start us off on Twisted. Twisted. Um, You know... For about two-thirds of this episode, I thought it was pretty good. It was fun. It was entertaining. You know, it's kind of being lost on your own ship. You know, it's kind of an interesting concept. I mean, you know, it's a pretty far-out sci-fi theory, probably, if you had any astrophysicists out there who wanted to comment on this, of the possibility of, like, the internal structure of the ship being warped like that and and being trapped in a maze, that kind of thing. Like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of a – it's like a – the episode's kind of mysterious because, like, how do they get out of there? What's going on? Um, so I kind of enjoy that aspect. And then you kind of get some interactions, difference with the crew. You get Tuvok and Chakotay kind of going at it. And then they, they kind of have a mutual respect for each other at the end. Um, we had Neelix being jealous again, which is, I think, Steve and I think the three of us are kind of, we're, we were over that in season one, but they're still going with it. Um, I think the kind of the problem I had with the, this episode is they kind of drew the ending was kind of drawn out. I don't, I, I like the concept of like them facing their death and kind of going through that. Like, Oh, they're helpless and there's nothing they can do. They just have to let this, let this anomaly or whatever it is envelop them. And that's not necessarily something you usually see in star Trek. They're usually working the it's problem. The, uh, the toy story three ending. Yeah, exactly. They're just <laughs> working the problem right to the end and they usually solve it. So that's kind of a different concept. I thought they just kind of, it was just kind of drawn out too much. I mean, it felt like it kind of lasted forever. You know, they kind of had the, you know, they kind of had the back and the forth, like, um, are we going to do this? We're going to, you know, Taurus is upset. And then, Chakotay is like, well, we just got to let it happen. And then they kind of have their, you know, it's kind of like a series ending moments where they're like, they tell each other how they really feel. So I just kind of thought that they could have tightened that end up a little bit better. But um, overall, I thought it was a, it was, it was an entertaining episode. I think for me, this episode has so many problems. I don't think it's, it's kind of, a lot of people seem to remember it poorly and it's, it's known for being a bad episode. I don't think it's as terrible as all that, but uh, I, pr- I probably liked it a little less than Adam. Well, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, Steve, your your first thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I maybe I was just like in an impatient mood the day I watched these, but this felt like it was like four hours long. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, but honestly, like you talk about the ending being too long. I like the idea, but yeah, it was too it was too long, and it felt like there's a lot of stuff that was just 
this is too short. We need to fill in time, you know, right. that, that kind of thing. And that, that's, that's what kind of got just makes you just feel like it's shallow and there's not much meat to it. It's kind of like, let's just show some special effects and some warping and some yeah. weird vocal effects and woohoo fun, you know I mean? But you had, you had a few conversations and things that were, that were like, okay, that was interesting and stuff, but so much of it just felt like there's filling, there's filling time. And it was a relatively, shallow concept to build a whole thing around i don't know apparently that is what happened with this episode it came up yeah. seven or eight minutes short and they decided to extend the end yeah so they had to well they added they wrote several new scenes to just to add time including um a couple of those extra corridor scenes you know people getting lost in the corridors which does uh, that's the kind of stuff that just makes it feel obnoxiously long and i'm with you i think i think i was having to constantly like rewind and back up 30 seconds. Cause I kept dozing off watching this episode. <laughs> you know, it would have been more interesting, you know, if they, they probably could have filled the time better. So this, this cloud was an actual life form and didn't, and you know, it took information from Voyager and it gave them Voyager. It would have been more interesting if they had a, a warp creature running around and snagging people. That'd have been a little bit more fun. I think kind of how, you know, so that's could have explained why Neelix was all of a sudden disappeared. So there, it's kind of be more of like a, um, Suspense thriller. Well, you know, I I do like the idea. It is unique to end a Star Trek episode with them choosing. You know, we do nothing. Uh, I, mean, I like that idea. There are there are always good ideas, I suppose. But the first time we see somebody on a quarter and they're like, "No, this person is on this deck, and this person is on this deck. They can't be next to each other." The first time you see that sort of scene, I thought it was kind of interesting. But the second and third and fourth time you see the exact same scene in, in, in the same one episode, it's like, oh, come on. All three of the episodes we've discussed today are, are weak for me. None of them are god-awful bad. I would probably rather watch any of these three than, say, the 37s, hmm. just for the kind of content that's in these. But none of them are any good. None, none of these three, for me, today are good. They're at best okay and more often less than okay. And they just made me they just made me want to watch better episodes of Voyager that I know we're going to get to and that what a greedy jerk I am cuz we just had projections, right? The yeah. <laughs> uh, these episodes for me were were pretty weak. How would you guys rank the three episodes today? Gosh. That's tough. Well, we should have the conversation. And then after I edit this episode, if it comes up a little short, <laughs> we'll just come back. We'll, we'll, we'll all make a choice. We'll let it happen. Dear Trek Companion, Podcast 192 <laughs> felt like it lasted four hours. What are you doing? <laughs> I thought twi- well, I thought Twisted might be the worst of them. I think just because it just it just was like that. It felt like this is still going on. We're still doing this. I mean, that kind of thing. That just that to me clinched the the worst spot. Again, not that they're all just ridiculously awful, but they're just uh, you know you kind of uh, all right, you know yeah. That's they're all like that. So I, that's why I feel that's maybe the worst of them. But but this is the episode where Janeway suddenly sits up and says. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Adam, you liked uh, Elosium, right? Yeah, I did. I did like Elosium. Okay. Um, and then the other two, not so much. I'd probably put, I mean, if I had to put them in order, I'd probably put Twisted above the last episode. Um, but, I mean, they're, neither of them are, are good. Um, I'd, I might have to say I was a little more, I don't know, the, the maze stuff kind of entertained me in the beginning, like the like first 
half, first two thirds of the episode, I was kind of entertained. Um, and I didn't have a pro- so much a problem with the ending, except that it lasted like 20 minutes. I think, you know, like Non Sequitur and Elosium, one thing they've got that helps them, I think their title is pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Twisted is kind of a stretch. Maybe if, instead of changing the title, like Tuvok could have said, there's another solution. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all do the twist. <laughs> <laughs> they could have started, you know, that dance like the Batman 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he pulled out the game twister. Also mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would, I would have been. Either of these solutions would have improved the episode for there me. You <laughs> Is this episode about anything? That's a tough one. Um, remember where your quarters are? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I really can't even make up something now for this one. I mean, I think the only thing that kind of came out of this episode for me, like character building wise, is the Tuvok Chicote relationship. I mean, you know, they kind of got into it early on and then you know they kind of had they expressed their love for each other before they were going to get zapped by the anomaly um but even that i feel like we've i feel like we've had that scene yeah we've had it come on brian it's i'm I'm trying to give it yeah you're you're stretching all right i got it i got it i think the i think the high point was when (laughs) jealous neelix may have been lost (laughs) we we thought maybe it had been lost for good maybe Uh, that's good All right, let's do Six Degrees for Twisted. Steve, Tom Virtue plays Lieutenant Baxter, yet another lost corridor wanderer. In Voyager's final season, he will play a Quarren Quarren supervisor in the two-parter in which all of Voyager's crew members are put to work on a planet. Name the episode. I have asked for this episode title in the past, so that's why I thought it was Mm. fair. Gosh... I vaguely remember this. Um, and one, it's a, the the title is two syllables, and one of those syllables is in my question. Hmm. In Voyager's final season, he will play a choir and supervisor in the two-parter in which all of Voyager's crew members are put to work on a planet. Golly. Work camp. I don't know. <laughs> You're uh. so close. Adam? Um, it's an episode question, you know. I don't, I'm not stealing from. I'm not going to be stealing for Steve. Workforce. Workforce. Oh, okay. 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 All right, Adam, you could take it for the day. This episode is one of the episodes produced for Voyager's first season, but held back for the second. How many of the ep- these episodes were there? How many episodes were produced for season one that were held back for season two? This is the last one. Um, four. You're correct. It's Adam's day, everyone. <laughs> it's Adam's day. All right, folks. Hope you're doing well. We don't have any kind of real Star Trek news today. There have been a lot. There's been a lot of news and about uh, you know scripts for a new movie, but who knows what if anything is going to happen from that? There's been news about CBS and Viacom maybe merging again, maybe, which could have some fun implications. We know that Discovery Season 2 officially started filming this week. That's it. That's all the news there is. I was just telling uh, Adam and Steve here before we started that I'm super incredibly excited for a particular Marvel movie that comes out very soon by the time, well, not this episode, but by the time our next episode posts, we should all have seen it. 
which will be very exciting. And um, that's kind of all I'm thinking about, not thinking about very much Star Trek stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at trekcompanion. Uh, Facebook page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. We do not collect your data there, uh, but Facebook probably does. Leave us reviews on iTunes. And send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. So thank you for spending an hour with us. We love you all. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.